Spirit. Lord, help us for this discussion to draw us closer to Thee. Forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we're enjoying this beautiful Sabbath, beautiful Sabbath weather today here in St. Louis. And uh, it just reminds me, we were out doing our garden the other day and taking care of the plants and, you know, getting rid of pulling weeds and, you know, cleaning up the garden area. And it's, it's interesting that Jesus was talking about separating the wheat from the tares, which is kind of like you do with a garden. Tares is just another word for weeds. So when you're separating the wheat, which is the good plant, from the weeds, which is the bad plant, sometime what happens? You pull up, accidentally pull up some of the wheat. Yeah, you pull up wheat and then you're like, oh, I wasn't supposed to pull that one up. Or, wow, I thought that was wheat. It looked just like wheat at this stage. It looks exactly like wheat, but it wasn't really wheat. And, and um, what would you say? Sorry. Sorry. Nothing. Okay. So the Lord was telling the people there is a time for separating the wheat from the tares, but is that for us to do? No. No. Right. Exactly, because like we just said, we'll make a mistake and a person, and of course, this is spiritually speaking of people who accept Christ and people who haven't accept Christ, we'll pull up somebody that we thought was not accepting of Christ and didn't love the Lord and didn't know about God, and we pull up the wrong person. And then someone else we think is wheat, spiritually speaking, uh, looks like wheat, sounds like wheat, talks like wheat, but when you get to the inner kernel, the inner germ of the plant, you find out that it's not wheat after all. So God wants us to leave that to him. In fact, this, it starts out, it says the time of God's destructive judgment is a time of mercy for those who have had no opportunity to learn what is true. Tenderly, the Lord will look upon them. His heart of mercy is touched. His hand is still stretched out to save while the door is closed to those who would not enter. What is that paragraph saying? to you anything interesting well this is out? this is harper mm -hmm. and i guess the old saying is don't judge a book by its cover that's a good saying isn't it why is that a good saying and why has it lasted so long because it's not for us to judge anyway god knows the heart he's created all of us and we've all fallen short so who are we to judge someone else? We have to look at ourselves in the mirror to see if we're where God wants us to be and if we're doing God's will. Mm -hmm. Amen. Excellent. Anybody else thought on judging a book by its cover? You know, that saying has lasted so long because it's true. You can't judge a book by its cover talking about people. You can't just look at a person and say, oh, this person's like this. Or, oh, I know that person is like that. Because, and as the uh, Native Americans used to say, how can you know my journey unless you walk a mile in my moccasins? How do you know what I've gone through? How do you know what I'm thinking? How do you know how I'm going to react unless you've been through the same uh, trial and tribulation, the same joy and pain that I've been through? And so in a spiritual sense, God is telling us, not for us to choose the wheat and the tear. We don't know. 
we haven't been through those people's lives. We don't know what they think about. We don't know how their connection or their relationship with the Lord is. So it's not our, our duty. That's God's call. And it says in here, it says he have mercy for those who have had no opportunity to learn what is true. What type of person can you think of might not have had an opportunity to learn what is true? Little children. Yeah, very good. Little children might not have had opportunity to learn truth. The Lord says that's time of mercy for them. Anybody else? Slaves. Slaves, those who were enslaved all around the world, they had, might not have had a chance to learn what is truth. Any other people might not have had a chance? What about the people in the dark ages when the Bible was restricted from them, when they would get in trouble trying to learn what is true and people died for trying to learn the word of truth? Those people, the Lord is going to look at with mercy. Uh, people who are in families where the parents did not teach them about the Lord, the parents did not train them up in the way they should go. And before they had an opportunity to learn, maybe their life was taken from them. We really don't know all those situations that could occur, but definitely there are some people who never had opportunity to learn what the truth is. And God's going to have mercy on those people. But it says the door of mercy is closed to those who would not enter. What do you think that means? That for those think? who had the opportunity to study and to learn about Christ, they'd rather do their own thing hmm. and put him second and go in and have a good time. Have mercy. Yeah, there are some people who God has given opportunity to learn the truth, and they chose not to. They closed their eyes to it, or like you said, Patsy, they had higher priorities, they thought, than learning God's word. They're out doing their own thing living their own lives, having their own pleasure, and God has not even entered their mind. So the door of mercy, he says, going to be closed to those who would not enter. The battle is going to be waged between those who love God and those who don't love him. And then it says, soon everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. Now, that's a very interesting thought. What do you think being shaken means? And how is it going to happen? How can something be shaken? And again, this is... Well, you know, we have a... Go ahead. Patsy, were you, you had a comment? Yeah, you know, as Christians, especially Adventist Christians, we, you know, we have a tendency to say... That when when the time of trouble comes, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to stand strong. But if you are in the world today, and unless I'm just using that as an excuse, you see one of your brothers and sisters mistreating someone, mm -hmm. and you just sit and be quiet, and then you think when the time of shaking comes or the time of trouble comes that you're going to open your mouth and say, "No, thus said the Lord." No, you're probably going to be quiet when you know that uh, that people are being misled, you're going to sit there and be quiet because you didn't open your mouth up to, 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 to say, this is what thus said the Lord, but you just sit there and let people be mis, mis, misled. Hmm. Very interesting. How do you think people will be shaken? This is talking about shaken 
out of the church, so to speak, as, a, as an example, people being shaken out of the church. How can you be shaken out of the church? How can your relationship with God be broken? How can your faith in God be shaken loose? What could happen that could do that to someone? Compromising. I think a lot of things could happen. I think, for instance, when the time comes when we can neither buy nor sell, some people are going to say, well, I got to feed my family or I got to be able to operate my business or I got to, I got to, I got to. Mm. Yeah. And, Patsy, you said compromise in what way? Like Karen said, you know, you'll make up excuses why you're going to work on the Sabbath or you'll make up excuses. Well, you know, I, I don't really think it's that important that I go out and pass out literature and that I call someone. God knows my heart. I just don't feel like it. Hmm. Have, you, have you ever paid attention to people who are weightlifters? You know, one of my friends, he was, a, uh, I guess, not world champion, but he was in that battle being a world champion weightlifter and um so he was lifting like 1500 pounds i'm like man how did anybody lift 1500 pounds that's a whole lot of weight right um but do you think he just started out one day picking up 1500 pounds <laughs> no because no, no i remembered him when he couldn't lift 200 pounds you know, so he built up to it. He went from 200 to 3 to 8 to 15, however he did it. But he had to exercise his strength. He had to work at it. He had to do what it took to become a champion. How is that? How can you apply that to your spiritual relationship with Christ? And the fact that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. How can you apply weightlifting to that situation? Because you have to work at being spiritually strong. You have to spend time with the Lord. You have to spend time in prayer. You have to spend time in the word to become able to flex your spiritual muscles so that when the time comes, when you have to use them, you won't be a spiritual wimp. <laughs> <laughs> spiritual wimp. And you know, when you, when you made that comment, it makes me think about the versions, the 10 versions. You can't just wait to the last minute and say, I need oil. That oil had to be with you, and that's the Holy Spirit as it grew inside of you. You can't just say, oh, okay, now's the time. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit uh, get uh, protect me and all of this. You did, I mean, you had opportunity to get your oil together. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. And, you know, when you look at the world, you think by looking at what people are doing, you know, in society and on TV and in the news, you think there is nobody, you know, who loves the Lord. There's everybody's corrupt. Everybody's evil. Everybody's sinful. But in time of distress and perplexity of nations, the paragraph says, there's going to be many people who have not given themselves to the service of Satan and who will then humble themselves and turn to God with their whole heart. You know, we always hear the verse that says, the Lord says, I have sheep in other folds, and when I call them, they will come. That's what it's talking about. We don't see it. Again, that's the wheat and the tear thing, right? People out there, maybe we think they're tears, weeds or tears, but God knows their heart. And when he calls and tells them, hey, now's the time for you 
to get in the ark of safety. Now is the time for you to accept my salvation and live your life the way I asked you to. Now is your time to be saved from the ultimate death. Those people are going to come into God's true church, worship him wholly and with their whole heart and find acceptance and pardon. So we can't just look out there and say, oh, the whole world is full of weeds because there are a whole lot of sweet stocks still out there. When God calls, those people are going to give their lives to him. And it says also there's many people reading the scriptures who don't really understand the true importance of it. Prayers and tears and inquiry go up from souls longing for light, longing for grace, longing for the Holy Spirit. There are many people out there now who are truly searching for the truth. And um, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but what's the problem? Laborers are few. Who are, who are the laborers that he's talking about? With us, we are. Us, us. Us who? The ones who believe in God's word and the ones that he's asked to go out and, and he asked us to plant the little mustard seeds. And he's going to water and grow it. But if we never make an attempt to go out and tell someone and to try to and, and let the Holy Spirit lead us into planting those little seeds, we just sit at home and have all this knowledge. What good is it if we're not going to share it? Have mercy. Have mercy. Excellent comment. I always think, too, I tell people this, uh, that money doesn't do you any good until you use it, right? Money's not doing you any good sitting in the bank. You know, you might make 1% interest, but that's not really the best use of it. If you got it under the mattress, it's not doing you any good. It might make your bed a little more bulky and less uh, comfortable. But it's the same way when you have spiritual knowledge. It's no good if you just hold it to yourself. And that's as Patsy was saying, we need to take this time to get out there, there are people looking for light. There are people looking for Christ. There are look, people looking for answers. And we have some answers. We don't have all the answers. But if we have one answer that helps a person find a closer walk with Jesus, that's good enough, right? If we have one answer that can comfort someone in their time of sorrow and need, if we have one answer that will help someone with an issue they're having with their, um, their health, their body's temple, then we need to share that with them. It does us no good to know things that can help people and then just sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I, I got the answer to that, that person's question, but I'm not going to share it with them. And now, admittedly, sometimes people don't want you sharing, but when you find that they are looking and seeking for the truth, they're looking and seeking for answers, and God has given you that answer, then that's your opportunity to share it with them. You know, not just sit back and say, too bad, so sad, too bad. If we're looking out at today's society, things are, you look at the news, there's a lot of murder going on, a lot of killing, a lot of fraud, a lot of lying, cheating, and stealing going on. But, you know, it was that same day back in Elijah's day, in Elijah's time period, but that there is many lessons we can learn. And it says on our next uh, chapter over, lessons from Elijah's experience, the apostasy that's going on today in our time period is similar to that what was going on in Elijah's time period. 
some of the things mentioned is uh, ex exalting the human above the divine, praising popular leaders, worship of money and material goods, replacing teachings of science above the truths of God's revelation. Uh, somebody please mute your phone. Someone please mute your phone, the Samsung phone. Thank you. So there are all these different things that are happening, people placing human thought above divine thought. Have you seen that occurring anywhere? People placing human thought above divine thought? Any example? Yes. Where did, yes. where did you see that happening? Washington, D.C. Now think mean? about it. They can't. Uh, the reason why I say that they can't come together, but they are affecting the seniors. They're affecting people that have worked for, for you know, and depend on, uh, you know, the little income and the medical, the medical care that they're able to get. These people have decided that I'm going to be stubborn and I'm going to be selfish and I'll let people suffer until I get what I want. That selfish attitude. Hmm. Yes, plenty of selfish attitudes going on, right? And what we're saying is what I think is more important than what God has asked me to do. What God's word uh, um, tells me to do is not as important as what I feel like doing, right? And that happens a lot. You know, people place their own theoretical beliefs. We talked about this in Sabbath school, I believe, about people putting human theories above divine revelation. And when you do that, you might, you know, they, you might get applauded for a while, but ultimately your human theories are going to be shown to be incorrect. When God's word comes out, it's true. His divine knowledge is way above our human knowledge. And people might become popular for a while, uh, praising or putting their human thoughts above what God says, but ultimately they're going to be on the losing end of it. And obviously, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, this Sabbath school this morning, as you were talking about that, it reminded me of some comments we were making this morning. And I just think to myself, we always want to drive instead of sit to the side and let God drive. He knows where we need to go. He knows the streets we need to go down, how fast we need to go, what stop signs we need to stop, stop at all the stop signs. But we just want to be in control. And it's like, and then we want God to bless what we want to do. And it's like, how about asking him where he wants us to go and following him since he can see everything. Amen. So I just feel like it, 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 all of us just have a measure of that. And if we learn how to be humble every day, he can lead us. And after a while, you'll see, you don't go down those same streets anymore. And you don't do those same things because you let go of the steering wheel, let him drive. Yeah. That would be placing divine above human. Yeah, that's what exactly. we need to do. And then we also see the same type of things that were going on in Elijah's day. Praise of popular leaders. The people was praising the priests and the uh, Jewish leaders. And also people were praising uh, the emperors back at that time and the people in, in uh, charge. And people are doing that now. And the fact that um, well, for example, how people continue to put up popular leaders above the very truth yep. of life. You know, it's amazing how people say, I heard a person say the other day 
that this certain person, 45, who will remain nameless, <laughs> so, have been convicted, have been convicted of all kinds of crimes, impeached twice, got numerous lawsuits chasing him now, have uh, been videotaped speaking evil about people, uh, women, also in cahoots with, with uh, white supremacists. And the person still, they ask him, and he would still vote for this guy because he's praising a popular leader. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really sad. People put popularity, popularity above truth, even above God's truth. We rat, people would rather stick with what a certain popular leader is saying than what the word of God says. What, like you look around at all the various cults that have arisen, the cult leaders, they're not pushing God's word. They're putting their own thing in it. They're putting their own human theories in it. They're putting their own human praise in it. And yet people still follow them. And then later on, when something terrible happens, like all of them end up dead or whatever, then people want to say, oh, where was God at? God was trying to show you the truth, but you chose popular leadership above the word of God. And you know, Elder Carroll, I think too, back like back in Elijah's days, I think people want to hear something that makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and like Andre said, as long as I can do my own thing and I'm hearing that, you know, the, uh, the good stuff. No, if, if a leader is going to lead you, let them tell you what thus said the Lord. And it's not going to always be pretty because you're going to have to make a decision. And I think, you know, like, like, you know, in Sabbath school, it was saying, you know, either you're going to follow God or you're not. But you can't have two. You can't serve two masters. You can't want to do your thing and still be blessed. And then you say, oh, I don't want to hear the part about, you know, God is going to have judgment and all that. I don't want to hear that. And, and, and it's so ironic when I talk to, you know, some, some people, they'll say, well, as long as my pastor ain't preaching about that kind of stuff, I don't need to know it. And mm. I'm like, well, wonder if your pastor's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Again, putting popular leaders above the truth of God. Just say it. And then, of course, it talks about worship of money or material goods. You can't say enough about people are willing to do anything for money. I mean, just sacrifice their honor, sacrifice God's word. These people are constantly being caught in fraudulent enterprises, cheating people out of their life savings just because they want the money. And thus saith the Lord, you know, thou should not steal Thou should not kill. Thou should not bear false witness. People are doing all those, all for the sake of having money. And we have to realize money's not going to save anybody. You know, they always uh, say nobody has ever taken a U-Haul truck with them to the grave full of their belongings or full of money because money's not going to save you. And we also know through prophecy that at, at some point, Money's just going to be thrown in the streets because it'll be worthless at that time. But even now in this society, people will do anything for money. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. I see all the time where different stories of, uh, I like to watch that show American Greed. You'd be surprised at all the scams people have to get your money. 
and they're willing to do anything, even kill you for money. And it's just really sad because we're forgetting about God. And then another thing it talks about too is placing teachings of science above the truths of revelation, above God's word. And again, I like looking at different nature documentaries and different uh, astronomy documentaries. And we were watching a nature show just the other night and the people were talking about the fish, you know, swimming around in the ocean and blah, 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 little creatures down there. And then they come out with, well, at this time in Earth's history, you know, sharks had not evolved yet. You know, it was like 4 million years before. No, they're just placing human teaching above what God has revealed to us in his word. And so many people are, are following that. And so many people believe that. And I always say that if you want to be a, uh, what they call it, quantum theorist scientist, quantum theorist scientist, you don't have to prove anything. You just can say anything and nobody can prove you're wrong. You can say, yeah, the earth was formed 4 million years ago and, and the sun was had blown up from this other planet, blah, blah, blah. How is anybody going to prove it? The only thing that you can prove would come from the word of God. And he says it took six days to make these things, not six million billion years. But again, people would rather listen to science, man-made science, than divine science that God has allowed us to see. So we have to be very careful because we talked about in our Sabbath school lesson too, idols don't have to be made of stone. Idols don't have to be statues. Idols can be beliefs. They can be people. They can be money. They can be material goods. They can be ideas. Idols don't just have to be made out of statue, out of wood and stone. So we have to be very careful not to put theories of men above God's divine revelation. Any other thoughts on that? How today's society compares with what was going on back then? No, and I think actually that we may be even doing it to a greater extent. I mean, talk about AI now, you know, and how they talk about putting the, uh, some, the brakes on AI. Pastor preached about pumping the brakes today, you know. And we're going ahead of ourselves with this AI stuff. Why do you bring AI into artificial intelligence? What do you mean? It's, how is because, it impacting? Because you were talking about going ahead of God. Well, if, if as human beings, we have the tendency to go ahead of God. Now we got AI that goes ahead of us even. <laughs> hmm. Interesting thought. And we don't want to get to the point where we think everybody in the world is, is lawless and sinful. Not everybody's on the devil's side. There are people who are on his side, but not everybody is. And there are many people who have been worshiping Baal ignorantly, but the spirit of God is still working with them. Every one of us still has an opportunity to be saved as long as God's Holy Spirit is still working with us. Many people just don't know. They've been taught a certain way. They've been taught a certain belief and they just don't know the truth yet. But God has promised that he'll give them opportunity to know the truth, you know, when that time comes. So we don't ever want to throw anybody out and say, oh, that person's lost. 
because we don't know. Only God knows. So what do you think? I hey, you, Go ahead. you know, Elder Carol, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I can hear someone preach a sermon and I always find something new. And it may have been a sermon that I heard other pastors preach. But I think when I hear a sermon, I always say, Lord, there's something else that you want me to get out of that sermon. Because I'm, I, and I, I'm just saying it for myself. I always ask the Holy Spirit to continue to grow me in faith. And I think sometimes we get to the point that we say, oh, that person going to preach on that subject. I don't been preach. I mean, you, you know how you say, you say, I've heard that before. But when you, when you listen and the Holy Spirit is working with you and to help you to grow your knowledge in Christ and get closer to Christ, there's always something new in a sermon. Mm. Amen to that. Always something new. You know, uh, I like that, Patsy. We can't, it's not a good idea to think, like you said, oh, I've heard that sermon before I can get up and go home. Because God always has another way to open your mind to his truth. It might be something you just weren't ready to hear before. It might be something totally new that you need to hear at this point in your life. So we always should stay open-minded regardless of, you know, there's also been times where people say, they would check with you and say, oh, who's preaching today? And then depending on who's preaching, they'd either come to church or wouldn't come to church. You know, oh, brother, so-and-so preaching. I'm not going today. I'm going to go over, so, over here and listen. You know, we don't want to get to where we think we know who God's going to speak through either. He might just have that person there just specifically for you, something that you need to learn or something you need to hear or maybe a visitor needs to hear. So, we want to keep our minds and our, and our um, hearts open to God's influence, however it may come. It might not come the way you think. He might have a different way that he's going to bring it, but keep open for how God can lead you. And, 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 and Lee, mm-hmm. let me say this too. How many times have you preached and something came out that you didn't even write down or wasn't even prepared to say? The Holy Spirit, as long as you open your mouth and are willing to be used by the Holy Spirit, there might be some things and probably are some things every time you preach that come out for you to learn that you weren't even prepared to say anything about. So we can hear something different and we can also say something different than we were ever even prepared to say because it came from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah, good point. Excellent thought. What do, you, what do you think the need of the hour is? The next chapter is titled The Need of the Hour, The Need for This Time, or What the Church Needs to Do um, in This Society's Time Period. What do you think the need of the hour is right now for the upbuilding of our churches? Any thoughts on that? What do you think the church needs in order to be built up? Well, we've always well, first, to- Elder, I think we got to get out of those four walls. We mm-hmm. got to get out in the community. Yeah. We got to stop being seen. I mean, you know, we often think when we say church, everybody's thinking of a building. And I'm going to be honest, because I'm from a little town in Indiana. When the, when it gets nice, our our church, Philadelphia, Seventh-day Adventist, they be holding service right there in the big old yard. And we, I mean, you can go in the building to use the bathroom, but they be out there preaching in all that, that land that they got. Hmm. Okay. Need to get out of those four walls, huh? 
What else, Andre? You had a I was I was going to say find out what the community needs, and we need to we we need to be a beacon of light, not just for the word, but for the needs of the community. Hmm. What needs do you think the community has? Well, some people are <clears throat> might be struggling. Most people are struggling with finances, but then there might be some discord in the homes, and they need some counseling on how to deal with conflicts. Um, that's always seemed like an issue. There's always some domestic issue going on. Somebody might need, um, they might have some health issues, health challenges that we can, we can address through um, healthy eating, exercise. You know, our health message is, is really heavy. And I think um, a lot of people can advantage, take advantage of that. Mm, okay. Good thought. Very good thought. Anyone else? What need do you think is needed for upbuilding our churches? Yes, everybody has good comments. Uh, uh, what we're talking about also, uh, in addition to that, is the work of wise laborers to discern and develop talent in the church. Mm -hmm. Talent that can be educated for the master's use. So what everyone was saying was true. We need to develop talent in our membership to do those things, to reach people with the health message, to get out and evangelize, you know, because you don't want to just stumble out there and, and mess up your opportunity. Like they say, you can only have one first impression. So you want to develop that talent. Uh, training and education is what our membership needs. Uh, we've had a person gave a testimony today about how she had uh, had the opportunity to be trained, to learn some techniques, to become better at doing her uh, work in the church. And then she was able to transfer that knowledge and that ability into her, uh, her secular job. And it paid off for her because she was trained and she was educated. And that's what many of our members need now. We have so many people who are on the pews, but they haven't been trained. They don't recognize their talents. They haven't been able to use those talents and they're just sitting there. Well, that's not helping spread the message, right? That's not helping praise God. That's not helping to worship and um, show our love to God and to tell others about him because people haven't been trained or taught. So one of the things that we can do as a church family is to train our members teach them, let them see what their skill set is and to improve that for the Lord's glory so that then we can go out and actually do missionary work, what Patsy was talking about. Missionary work is going outside the walls of the church and pointing others to Christ. You know, there's, uh, what's the word for it? There's work that you do in the church. You know, that's what we're talking about, training the membership and then there's that outreach. There's in, in reach is what it is. There's in reach where you're teaching and training your members to do outreach, which is going outside the church structure and reaching the people in the community. And like you were saying, Andre, the people in the community have many needs. Well, the church has many talents. Right. So that all those needs that are there can be met by the individuals in the church who have been trained and properly educated to use those talents, right? You don't want to just send anybody out. Uh, I think you had mentioned a good example of domestic violence situation. 
you don't want just anybody trying to go in and, and uh, handle a situation like that. Those people need to be taught and trained properly on what to do, what to say, what not to say, all different type of things. And it's the same way with evangelism. One thing that God expects from us as his church members is to enlighten the world. That's our duty as missionaries to enlighten the world. Have you ever, anybody heard the book, Training Light Bearers? I think I have heard of that book. Yeah, training people to enlighten the world about Jesus Christ. That's what it's about, teaching people to get out there, shine light in a darkened world, lift up Jesus, the light of the world, training light bearers. That's our job is to enlighten the world. And when we use those, those talents, then we're developing into people who are prepared to fill positions of trust, influence to maintain pure, uncorrupt principles. And that's how we accomplish good for our master. Filling positions of trust and influence. Do you know how much, well, Patsy, you're a teacher. Think about all the influence that you've had over the years of teaching students. That's a lot of influence, right? Yes, and you know, and it's a, it's amazing when a student, you know, will see you years later, and they'll bring out an incident, they'll be like, and I remember I was in your class, and I was so hungry, and you walked over, and you put an apple, or you put an orange in front of me, and told me I can just eat it in class, because I know you're hungry, and you, you don't think of stuff like that, you like, you know, you laugh, and they be like, and then they'll tell you, they was like, I have, we didn't have no food at home, and you were the only one that knew that Somehow you knew, and I said, you know, it's amazing that you hear those stories, but you never think just, you know, you put an apple or orange in front of somebody, and you, and, and to be honest, I probably was upset because she wanted to lay her head down or something. That's why I gave it to her to keep her mouth moving so she'd keep her head up. But it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, you know, you see those students, and they, they tell you little incidents that you did, and they like, you just don't know. I just appreciated you, and you're like, Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I had a situation yeah. that um, a few years ago, um, man, man, it might have been about 20, 20 years ago, I met a man, and the, the reason why I met him at work was we were talking about working over the weekend, and I told them, the group of people I couldn't work on Sabbath because of my religion and my religious beliefs, and this other guy said, what do you know about the Sabbath? I said, what you know about this app? So we laughed and we became the best of friends. I didn't know about five years ago, I went down to um, Texas to visit him and his family. Mm. And he, because his, his daughter was getting married, he told me then, he said, I thank you so much for your training of me. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I, you trained me on how to work on computers and how to fix computers. In the last 20 years, I was able to feed my family based on what you taught me. Now, hmm. I had no idea that influence that I had on him. I just, oh. I, he wanted to learn. I took him around from different houses. I was doing warranty work for uh, Packard Bell, I think at the time, years and years ago. But uh, I just didn't realize that what I had trained him to do actually took his whole family to a whole nother level. And he was able to put his family in nice houses and feed them well and buy cars and 
this took care of his family based on the training he received. So, yeah, your influence. Amen. Just don't know how much you influence people. That's right. Amen. You just never know. And you think about in your lifetime, how many people have you been acquainted with? How many people have you been acquainted with? All of us throughout our whole lifetime been acquainted with thousands of people. Yes, yes. Don't, don't necessarily mean they're your best friend, but you've had an opportunity to say something to them or to talk to them for a minute or to work with them or ride the bus with them or be in school with them, whatever. Those are all opportunities for impressions of Christ that we can make. You know, that's why we have to be very careful. The, the, uh, the influence that we have, we have to be very careful of the impression we make on people right. that right. our impression is for good and not for evil because those people, like Patsy was saying, they come back years later and say, man, you remember this and that? You might have forgot, but they remembered because it made a huge impact in their life somehow. You know, and I, I had talked to a friend of mine from, from high school and I told him, I says, man, if it wasn't for you, and a couple of the guys at church, I would have never stayed in church. I would have been back out in the streets so quick, but they made it so much fun. And they were good examples of how mm -hmm. Christians can have a good time, how Christians can laugh and have fun, how Christians can love the Lord and share with others. And he didn't even know about that. He was very happy to hear it too. Again, we have to be taught how to reach people. We have to be taught how to witness to people. We have to be taught how to point people to Christ. We have to be taught how to, to uh, comfort people in the right time. You know, it, it doesn't just come normally. It just doesn't come naturally. We learn things through experience. We learn things through watching other people do it. We learn things through being taught and trained in a formal manner. But the thing is, as Christians, we have an obligation to use our talents to reach other people for Christ. He's Let given me, everybody different talents, and we need to find out what those talents are, uh, be trained on them, properly educated how to use them to the best of our ability, and then, again, to get outside those walls and use those talents to boost the cross of Christ. Andre, is that coming? Yeah, I just think that we should be very careful, too, when we use our talents, you know, sometimes people can not understand what's actually what you what you have innate in you that the Bible or the that the Lord has used to bring people close to him. Um, so be careful not to let people um, talk down or say, well, you talk too much or you do this too much or whatever. <laughs> you never know. The Lord may be using your openness in being able to um, reach people. You know, on the bus stop or just walking down the street or just in the store, you have no idea why Christ allowed this person to come across your path. You, you just don't know. So, you know, be careful. And, when, and like you're saying, being trained on how to use it. Sometimes Christ has put things in us that are natural, where we're naturally uh, 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 able to talk to people um, without feeling like I'm bothering them or whatever. Um, I, I can I can be in the line and just bring up something common that we have in common. What is long? This line is sure long. Before you know it, you got into a conversation and you might end up talking about what church do you go to. You just mm -hmm. never know how these conversations. Yeah. Are. You right. sure right, brother Andre. 
and you you mentioned um, natural talents. There's a lot of people who have plenty of natural talents. Uh, for example, there's a lot of kids who are natural talent for uh, sports or something, but still they need to be taught more efficient, more effective right. ways. So right. while we may have natural talents, it's good to be taught better methods of using those talents for the glory of God. And we need to do that in our churches. I always, uh, we're planning a spiritual gift time at church so that we can identify people's spiritual gifts and then have some opportunities for them to be properly trained to use those gifts um, so that we can be out there, you know, spreading that, uh, spreading the gospel message and spreading the light for Christ. And we need to make sure that we don't waste our time. You know, a lot of time has already gone by that wasn't used properly, but now we can um, use our time, teach our members to work for God and to depend on God as our source, not just on the ministers. The pastor mentioned today, he's not the only one that's supposed to be witnessing. He's not the only one who's supposed to be evangelizing. Every one of us, anyone who calls upon the name of Christ as their Lord and Savior is called to be an ambassador for him. He is called to be a witness for Christ. You know, he says, you are my witnesses. That's what we're here to do. And it's, uh, it's a shame that there are many churches who are withering up and dying because they have failed to use their talents in spreading the message. You know, when we're on fire and doing God's will and leading people to Christ, your church will never uh, wither up. But when you've just been sitting there doing nothing, the young people are moving away, the older people are passing away, the church is going to die. That particular church, not the, not the overall church of God. But when you have an active church that's out and about, leading people to Christ, bringing in new members, witnessing, um, helping the people in the community, that church is living, breathing, and thriving. And, you know, there's too many times people just depend on the pastor to do everything. The pastor, uh, he's got to preach, he's got to teach, he's got to evangelize. We're supposed to be doing those things also. You know, maybe you didn't go to, to learn how to be a preacher, maybe pastor, is not your calling, but witnessing is all of ours callings. There's no excuse. We don't have to be, uh, we don't have to have a degree in witnessing to be a good witness for the Lord. All we have to do is have a love of God in our heart and a willingness to open our minds and use our talents for God. It says um, people have had too much sermonizing. Can you believe that? People have had too much sermonizing, but have not been taught to labor for those whom Christ has died. And again, we don't ever wanna just sit in the church and be comfortable hearing sermons and listening to the music and forgetting that the only reason we're here is to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? That's our duty. That's our whole duty is to fear God, keep his commandments and tell somebody else about the love of God. Any other thoughts on that? For it. Okay, so we want, I want to emphasize too that we are going to be doing the spiritual gift inventory. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, we have this inventory, it's like a questionnaire, and it will pinpoint exactly what gifts God has given you to use for his glory and for his honor. And then once we pinpoint that, 
what we what what our plan is is to pinpoint your gifts and then show you some areas of the church where that gift can be used and then to get you involved in those particular areas uh, that also helps us from burning out the few people who are working because now we have more soldiers on the battlefield and then when you use your gift you get more comfortable with it you get more to enjoy it more you start liking using your gift for God, God's glory, and so that you'll do it more often. It's like inviting people to church. The more often you invite people, the more likely somebody's going to come. If you only invite one person, you've got low odds of that person coming. But if you invite 100 people, now your odds are much better that there will be some people come out. So it's the same with our gifts. The more we use them, the more we're going to see the benefits and the blessings of them. So be prepared for that. It's coming up uh, hopefully in hopefully in July, maybe even June, June or July, because we don't want to waste any more time uh, sitting around and not using our talents for God. Any final thoughts on the what we've talked about today? Okay, if not, Karen, which uh, chapter will we be on next week? So we are still in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 106, and we're going to be beginning at Paragraph 616.2. Testimonies 1, Paragraph 616. Yeah, Chapter 106, Paragraph 616.2. And then, Lee, just for uh, clarification, where are we going to be starting next time in yours for yours? Okay, in the Christian service, uh -huh. we're in chapter five, and the subparagraph is the church missionary curriculum. Okay. The church missionary curriculum, chapter five. Okay. Okay, we'll close out with a word of prayer then. Dear Lord, we thank you for blessing us to come together to, to learn more about your testimonies more about your word more about what you have given for us to know we ask and pray that you will bless us lord to find our true talents and to learn and to use those talents for your glorification and honor bless us dear lord to continue to praise you on this beautiful sabbath day in your precious name jesus amen and thank you thanks everyone for joining and for participating. amen look forward to you next week again at the same time